how far have you gone to have control or feel like you have control over your life? Aside from the to-do lists and the schedules, have you ever pushed your body past its limits? Have your relationships with other people been affected by your need for control? As we begin our journey into motherhood, even before conception, there's so little control that we have, and this can feel frightening, uneasy, and can even lead us to harming ourselves or our loved ones. For Josephine Atlery, her long journey into motherhood wreaked havoc on her ability to feel in control. Due to an illness that her husband had, she had to go straight into in vitro fertilization, which took years to get pregnant. And when she did get pregnant with twins, she then suffered a massive loss when she lost those twins. At that point, she and her husband decided to adopt, which is now her oldest child. After some time, she got pregnant again through IVF and successfully gave birth to girl-boy twins. She then decided to do two more rounds of IVF using a surrogate for another set of two twins, rounding out her total to seven beautiful children. However, the road to get there was rocky, and she had little to no control. She went through so much stress to build her family that it led to an eating disorder. How did she make it through, and how in the world does she get through each day with seven children? It was at her lowest point that she discovered that she needed something more. What was it that helped her get through and get out of that hole? Listen in to learn how Josephine changed her life and how you can change yours too on this episode of Mamas in Training. You're listening to the Mamas in Training podcast giving aspiring and expecting mamas guidance and community from moms who have been there. I'm your host, Jessica Lorian, but I am not yet a mom. An autoimmune disease has delayed my journey into motherhood, so I've made it my mission while I heal myself to learn with you all about motherhood so that together we can be as prepared as possible. Now, you may not have the desire for seven children, but even if one is perfect, there's still a sense of losing control that we might experience. So let's learn from Josephine just how to get a little bit of that control back and the impact that it can have on our lives and the lives of our children. Before we get to the episode, I want you to do one thing with me. Picture this. You're out for a day of errands with your baby when all of a sudden they've soaked their fresh diaper that you just put on them before you left. Okay, no worries. You have an extra diaper. Give them a quick change in the Target bathroom, but an hour later, you notice a familiar smell. Oh gosh, time for another change. It's poop time. Yay! But you're a pro. You packed a second diaper, so you've got this one covered too. Baby is now asleep in the stroller, so you decide to go grab yourself a quick coffee. But then all of a sudden, they wake up screaming. So you pick them up, and what is on your hands? It's a blowout! There goes the third diaper, baby's clothes, and your own. 
With Boom Boom blowout bodysuits, diaper blowouts are covered. Literally. The entire back of each bodysuit contains waterproof PUL lining, polyurethane laminate fabric, which is used in cloth diapers. It is then bonded between two layers of super soft, unbleached organic cotton, making blowouts no longer a stress. Trust me, I saw it in action, and it's amazing how strong these Boom Boom blowout bodysuits are. They're made right here in the U.S., and the design is beautiful. Treat yourself to less stress and let Boom Boom Baby Company cover that mess by clicking the link in the show notes and make sure to use the code MAMASPOD, that's M-A-M-A-S-P-O-D 25 for 25% off at checkout because nobody has time for a blowout. Now that we got that covered, on to the show. We adopted our first son, and then I gave birth to boy-girl twins. And so at this point, I had three kids, and I started training for a race. I was trying to get back into life after the pregnancy, and this is probably about two or so years after the pregnancy. Like, I had been working out, but then I decided... I need something just a little bit extra in order to really switch things around. And so I've worked with a trainer. I set a goal of doing one of these outdoor mud races that I had never done before. And I get really hyper-focused on things. And so I got very hyper-focused on this before it was hyper-focused on winning at this infertility game. And this time it was trying to get in the best shape of my life so that I could excel in this race, a race that I've never done before. And I got in the best shape of my life. And I was so super strong. I did not, I never knew that I could be in this, like, be like that. And it was amazing. And so after the race, then I did a few other races. And I didn't realize that there's an off season and an on season. And so I was trying to hold on to this on season body and mentality and eating habit and lifestyle during an off season when I wasn't preparing for a race when it was just like the holidays and it was all of a sudden all the birthdays like Thanksgiving when we did have some people over and I was like cleaning up and like at the end of the night I would just rather than put everything away I would just eat everything and then feel horrible and then like in the middle of the night throw up and that's when all of a sudden like I had never had what I considered to be an eating disorder. I had body image issues my whole, like ever since I was a teenager. And I think at that point that it just got exacerbated by this. And then it transformed into all of a sudden I found myself throwing up. I had no idea where this came from, but I just knew that I had to keep, I had to keep this physique. I had to keep this lifestyle that I had worked so hard for. And the only way that I knew how to manage it at this point was just throwing up. And this happened for probably about a few months. It's the fall seasons were all the race seasons were over. And like September, October, November into Thanksgiving um, and the holidays, especially I was throwing up. And I found myself like one night putting the kids to sleep and I would lie there in bed with them. And I'd play music because I just, it was before like 
major social media where you could scroll through your phone, you know? So I was playing music on my phone and it was a Coldplay song and I just, I was trying to remember the name of it as you were sort of prepping me before this, but essentially it's, the, the gist of it is that this person is broken and this, this person needs to like seek out help. It's just this really sad song that for me, music has always been a huge part of my life. Like I just relate certain uh, emotions, certain experiences in my life to songs. Uh, that's how I kind of remember them. And so for this moment, it's that Coldplay song. But that was running through and I was crying. And, it w you know, I would like cry when I would throw up and all this stuff because it's just a terrible experience to go through it. But it was in that moment when I was lying there with my kiddos and putting them to sleep thinking that I had finally like finally had this life that I had been wanting for so long that I'd been fighting for and now it felt like I was like I was messing it up even though I was trying to control it that was the funny part is that I was trying to control this portion of my life by like maintaining it and keeping it the way I'd wanted it to but at the same time I also felt like I was wrecking it because of all those years of IVF and then finally adoption. And then we also had like a second trimester loss of twins that moved us into adoption. To go through all of that, to just feel like, like this felt horrible. Did you have anything run through your mind at that moment about what it would mean for your children? That's a really great question. It was just more of like, what kind of mother was I to them? in terms of being authentic and true to myself and mm. all these things I was trying to impart upon them as they exactly. were little. Not that they would recognize anything. Like, it'd be totally different if you asked me that question right now and I had the, the teenagers, now they're teenagers, mm. and it'd be a totally different thing. Like, I wouldn't want this for them. I would want to model healthy choices and healthy mm -hmm. habits and all these things. But back then, it was more like, you know, I want to be this this truthful and uh, just this really honest mother for them that is true to their story and like that I don't want this to be my story. I don't want this to be this life that I'm leading that's just very secretive. It was just this whole other side of me. And it was you know, it was easy to do it because we were in living in New Hampshire at the time. So we were at East Coast, right? And so um, I'm born and raised in Chicago. All of our family and friends at this point were in Chicago. And so it was like we were in a different world, which actually made it easier for going through that whole IVF process because I didn't have to deal with intrusive questions just over the phone, which point I could hang up. Um, right. I was in a whole other world. I was in my, I was like living in my head at this point. So you were almost able, yeah, to like compartmentalize it into, into almost uh -huh. a different life. Yeah, yeah. Now, y you mentioned that the bulimia started due to this race coming up and you know you were in shape and then now it was after the race and you were trying to have this race body in normal life was it all about the race or was it connected at all to your path of infertility your in vitro journey and everything that you had been through yep no that's exactly it but i didn't realize it at the time mm -hmm. and that didn't come out until i went through eating disorder recovery programs and then further down as I was doing like meditation and mindfulness work and just self-healing and things like that. It didn't dawn on me that I thought this was all related to just controlling of my body and of the race, but it really was just lack of control in general of, of my life 
and needing to finally be able to assert some sort of control over how things played out because I didn't have any control when we were going through IVF and adoption, I felt like, and the loss and all those years where I was really at the mercy of science, of the agencies that we worked with, of the medical team. I I felt like I was part of a medical experiment. And so this was what came to light. What I learned was that this was my way of finally trying to assert control over my life in a weird, messed up way. So six months into it, I remember having to um, confess it to my husband, which was horrible. I spent days, maybe even weeks, trying to figure out how am I going to bring this up to him. Um, And he was totally taken aback by the whole thing. Like I had kept it hidden that well. So at that point, then we figured out that, you know, luckily there was something local that I could do, a program. And so I did that up until we had to move down to, um, it's for a few months, then we moved back down to the Boston area. And so I had to just continue with therapy down there. And I want to say that it was like, it took, it was a few months and then it was done because it was only a six months dabbling in in bulimia. Um, Even after like all this time, it's still, it's still a concern of mine. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I liken it to any sort of like addiction. It's an addiction to food and addiction to control. And so that is always in the back of my mind when, um, like, for example, when, when the pandemic hit and I needed to control something, right? right? I needed to did. figure out how mm-hmm. am I going to control this insane situation that we are in and um, like care for my family and myself and all this stuff. And there were moments when I would say, I wish I could just throw up because um, that felt like something that I knew that I could do. And so... It's just like this constant thing that is in the back of your mind. Um, But awareness, that's where sort of meditation and mindfulness came in. And that, um, like that awareness helps me to make a decision or make a choice otherwise. um, Versus sort of just constantly just sort of doing things on autopilot where it would just be, okay, well, that's my instinct. That's my reaction to the situation of needing to control my life in this new environment. And so that's what I want to do here. Awareness gives you that gift of a pause. And so I had that little second or a few seconds where I can check in and say, what is, what is happening here? Why is it really that you need to, you know, you had that thought, but let's dissect that real quick. Do you really need to do that? Or can we can we do something else? And why did that come up? What well, came up because of this? And that all happens in your head in, a, in like a matter of seconds, but it's something that took many years, months of practicing, being aware of myself in order for that to happen. Well, I first of all just want to thank you for your vulnerability and for opening up because it's it's in these stories and it's in the vulnerability about people who have been there that we get to learn and and grow from and hopefully find our path differently through. So so thank you for being so open. I know it's not easy, but I really appreciate it. And I'm curious, 
of course, when you were going through adoption, when you were going through in vitro, when you were going through the surrogacy journey, when you became pregnant that second time, there was a lot you couldn't control. What was your feeling during that time? And did you do anything during that time? Or was it just like pushing on through, just keep going? How did you manage? Yeah, so um, great question. And that's exactly how I felt because the explanation that we had from the previous loss was unexplained. And like, that's the worst thing that you can give to someone because they can't fix it, right? Mm -hmm. You go back to the whole idea of fixing myself and like figuring out next steps and there was no real explanation. So they did certain things, like they put me on modified bed rest. I had a surgery for closing up my cervix and then that was pretty much what they could do for me and uh, along with constant monitoring. Um, but because of that, there's all this uncertainty and worry wrapped up. And so I basically just flat out described that pregnancy as that I hated it. I hated mm -hmm. every moment of it um, because I was living in fear of my body. And like, would yeah. my, when would my body decide to just mess things up? I, I couldn't trust my body. And that's a terrible feeling to have. Um, and I wish I had meditation and mindfulness then. I didn't have any coping strategies. Um, before my coping strategy has always been exercising. Couldn't do that. <laughs> it was driving me nuts. Um, and this was pre, this was pre bulimia. So it's not like I even had like overeating as something right. that was like something that would comfort me. Um, so I felt like a, a prisoner and I didn't have a baby shower. I didn't take any baby pictures. Mm. I took one right before we, um, went to the hospital and that was it. And I was so glad once it was done. Like the moment we had the C-section and I saw that they were okay and I was okay, I like finally let out this huge sigh of relief that I'd been holding on to for like nine months and it was over. I was just, I was happy for that. I was happy to have, it was weird because I was happy that the babies were safe and that we finally had twins that we actually gave birth to and that we had grown our family, but I was also happy that it was done. And that's not something that I talked about back then because that felt so shameful to say because everyone has all these expectations of pregnancy that it's supposed to be this beautiful thing. You're supposed to enjoy it. You're supposed to be grateful for it and all this stuff. I was grateful that I was done and that I made it out alive and so did the kiddos. So, so many people think that, I believe, and they just aren't willing to say it. So just hearing you say it, I think, is a little bit of a relief for some people listening, I'm sure. If you could go back in time and have the tools that you have now, what would you say for someone who is going through a pregnancy? And of course, there's many things during our pregnancy that we can't control. But let's just give an example of like, we're going into an appointment. So we walk into our appointment, we can control how we're going to prepare for that appointment. We can be even in a mindfulness place before we walk into that appointment. But then they start kind of spewing out all of this information. Maybe they're using language they don't know. And we start feeling a little overwhelmed. You know, oftentimes they talk quickly, all of these things. How do you recommend grounding yourself in real time? Like in that appointment, what can you do? What can one do to get the most out of the appointment and not just kind of go into your head and zone out and think like, okay, I just missed that, all that information. Right. Yeah. No, that's a wonderful question. Uh, and 
The thing that you, I just got finished talking about this, is that you can utilize a breathing technique because that's the only thing you have at your disposal at that point, right? If you, Especially if you're trying to understand the information that's being given to you by the doctor, the whatever the medical team is. Um, in that moment, you need to be present, but you need to calm yourself down. And the best way to do that is through using some form of breathing technique. So whether that's a square breath, which is, you know, four seconds, breathing, pause, four seconds, exhaling for four seconds, pausing for four seconds and going for as long as you need. Um, that keeps you rooted to the present moment. It keeps you aware of your breath so that you're not instead spiraling in your thoughts, but it's something so quick, you know, no, depending on how many times you do it, it can be under a minute and you've already lowered your cortisol levels, you've brought yourself from an agitated state into a calmer frame of mind so that now you can respond instead of just reacting, you can come from a place of peace and more clarity in the situation. And that will help you not walk out of there feeling like you have no idea what just happened, which has happened to me so many times when I have important conversation with a doctor and it's like they're telling me all this stuff like you just said and I'm in my thoughts because the moment he says something he or she says something then all of a sudden I'm spiraling the situation to like okay what if this what if that and then this and I'm no longer in that room with that doctor I'm in the future somewhere some Mm -hmm. catastrophic thing is happening (laughs) and (laughs) now when I walk out and I have to tell my partner like what happened I have no idea I don't know know. it was bad but I don't know (laughs) (laughs) and would you recommend actually saying to the doctor like can I have a second or just while they're talking go ahead and do this breathing I love that yeah if you can just tell them can I just have a moment to like you know um myself Yeah, Yeah, yeah please so that I can really understand what it is you're trying to say to me. Or even um, asking them to repeat it. If you don't want to say that, you can just say, you know, excuse me, but I didn't really understand what you were saying. Can you just repeat it again? So that, you know, maybe at this point, maybe you can pull out a voice memo and have recorded. Well, that's a great, great idea. That's a great uh-huh. idea. Um, rather than trying to write notes and not really being there and not listening, just pull that out so that it's it's there asking for their consent to do so and um and then breathing in this moment that they're about to re-explain themselves how did you actually get into this world of mindfulness and meditation and discovering that it would help you and ultimately heal you day to day i had a friend who kept recommending it to me but much like many of the people that i encounter that i'm trying to sort of um coerced into doing mindfulness and meditation. They say, I can't do it. Uh, I'm constantly thinking about things. Like I'm always making lists. I'm type A. I can't sit still. All these things. I can't quiet my mind. And that was totally me. That was like everything that I just said was me. But luckily I had a very convincing friend and we have the benefit of all these apps. So it's one thing to just have this idea where you're supposed to be sitting in silence and left to your own devices yeah. with absolutely no sort of um, organization it of it <laughs> and like next steps. So what am I supposed to do? But yeah. now we have the beauty of all these apps. And so the idea of, okay, just trying it for one minute. Let's just try for this for one minute and see what happens. And it was good for me because he was just guiding me to breathe. I thought I could do this. 
And and then I tried it a few more times, just a couple minutes longer. And truthfully, it was finally a chance for me to really sit with myself. Like I had been going and going like constantly with the kiddos. At this point, it was um, three, it was soon to be five, very soon at this point. And um, I was constantly busy. Like I was always trying to do something. But this was finally a moment where I could just pause and take care of myself and just breathe and allow whatever to happen to happen. And it was beautiful because I had never really done that. And so I just kept doing it and it became very, very beneficial for me. And then once we had the five kids, well, it went from three to five. And at the same time, I started to work soon after they were born and we moved and all this stuff. And it was like all the things that are high stress in your life. You know, they say that these are the stressful yeah. moments in life. Buying Happening a new house, at the same like time. <laughs> having kids, moving, and like, ah, okay, new we're job. just all doing them all together. <laughs> that was my complete chaos moment. I just needed something else and I could feel it. I could feel that like I was swirling and getting caught up into it and brought into it. And I knew that I needed to up it up a little bit to increase my meditation, to dig a little deeper with it. And I signed up for this teacher training for work because I was trying to incorporate it into this fitness world that I was in. And I ended up not working for them and, uh, anymore. And I ended up still being in this teacher training course. So I did it for myself. And I deep dive. It was amazing. So transformative. Noticeable changes in how I interacted with my children, how I interacted with life, with my spouse. And that's when I knew that I was just like, well, in general, I like to just hop into things anyway. And so I decided, okay, let's try this and let's see how I can like spread this beautiful message of inner calm and peace that's within your reach just, you know, just for a few minutes a day. And that's how I ended up starting to teach and eventually write books and all this stuff. So what can we do? What is something that no matter what part of our journey, whether we are trying to conceive, whether we're currently pregnant, whether we're a new mom, whether we're adding our second, third, seventh, whatever (laughs) baby, what can we do tactically to feel more grounded and actually have a little sense of control, if that's even possible in motherhood? I like to say navigate instead of control because I feel mm. like control is such a such, such a like Negative loaded word yeah. you know but yeah there are definitely things that we can do and it all stems from being aware being aware of ourselves because I think I heard this on the radio and I didn't realize it. I listen to the song all the time it's this Jay-Z song the, the one where he's apologizing to Beyonce but apparently he says in that song um, you can't heal what you don't reveal And I never knew that was Miller. I've heard that song so many times, but it's so true because if you can't reveal to yourself and and that comes from awareness, like if you can't be aware of what's happening within you, well, how are you going to take the next steps in order to care for yourself, to nourish yourself, whether that's on your own doing something for yourself or if it's something greater that requires help from a family member, your partner, a therapist, your medical team, whatever it may be. You won't really know and you won't really be willing to do it either if you're not tuned in. And so that's why I'm such a big 
I try to tell people that awareness isn't just like a one-off thing. It's not something you do once a day if you're able to do it. It's something that hopefully you'll be able to incorporate in your daily life. So you start off by being aware in this moment that you do every day for a minute or five minutes, whatever it is. And then it starts to trickle into an awareness of your interactions with other people. Like how am I um, responding to them? What emotions are they coming at with me? And then in terms of other things that you do, like am I operating on autopilot when I'm doing all this stuff? Do I remember what I did like five minutes ago? Can I mindfully eat? Can I like walk or exercise in a mindful way where I'm really witnessing what's happening in my body, witnessing what's happening around me? All these things can be made mindful. And the beauty of that is it all adds up to leading to greater awareness just for your overall life. And that just benefits you in all the different aspects of your life um, and not just in that one session that you're doing. So it applies to being an aspiring parent. It applies to once you're trying to conceive and you're in the thick of it. And it applies to once you're pregnant and you finally have a child or once you're adding more. Like you can always apply this awareness to your new given situation. I want to give a tip of not attaching to your thoughts and knowing that you're going to have thoughts because I think that's one thing that people have a problem with. They walk in believing that in order to do this, they need to clear their mind completely. And if they are not able to do that, then they're doing it wrong. And that's not the case because we have thousands of thoughts happening in our mind every day. So the idea of shutting it off isn't realistic. And rather it becomes this um, almost like a dance or, or a conversation with your thoughts where you acknowledge it without judgment and then you can label it to just help you sort of detach from it and and then you can send it off and you can even speak to it and say okay grocery list item i will get back <laughs> to you later and i will get back to my breathing and then you go back to your point of focus and know that it will just be a constant roller coaster it'll just keep happening but that's okay because that's what happens in real life so whenever doing something and are completely free of distractions there are moments where we're doing work or we're engaging with our kids or whatever it is we're doing and suddenly we get distracted by something but we need to get back to what we're doing so when you're practicing mindfulness when you're practicing meditation you are able to practice what you would do in real life and your mind knows now how to handle it so you acknowledge whatever that was label it detach from it no judgment send it on its way to get back to later and then return back to what you're doing. And so you practice that in mindfulness and meditation and you're doing it in real life. And so that's one thing that I I wanted to um, make sure to talk about was just the Mm -hmm. whole relationship to thoughts and what to Mm -hmm. do with them. And so in order to practice mindfulness to your question, if you've never done it before, a great way to do it is to just try a breathing exercise. So Perhaps you're sitting still, you're lying down, whatever feels good to you. If you want to close your eyes, you can. You certainly don't have to. And then you just take a deep breath in and count for how long you can take it. Maybe it's four, five, six seconds. And then when you exhale, see if you can make it just a few seconds longer and count it. And the beauty of that counting is that it brings you into the present moment. It roots you something. It has gives you something to ground yourself to. And, and by doing so, really what you're doing is you're also becoming aware of how that breath is moving in your body. 
And also in the background is that that breath is calming you down. It's bringing down your cortisol levels and all that stuff. So wherever you are, you can be seated, close your eyes, you can lie down, whatever feels good to you. And then on our inhale, we will count, we will breathe in for four seconds. So breathe in for four, three, two, one. And then hold your breath for five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. And then exhale for six seconds. Six, five, four, three, two, one. And now while I'm talking, you can repeat that process. Breathing and counting on your own, at your own pace. It can be a little quicker if you want. But continue doing the four, five, six. And especially when you exhale, see if you can release any stress that you might be feeling, any tension in your body. Attach it to that exhale and just blow it out of your body. Anything that doesn't serve you anymore in this moment, blow it out. Let it go. Release it. You can stop or you can continue doing the four, five, six, but that's another breathing technique that you can do anywhere. I went ahead on your YouTube channel and I did your empowering your fertility journey meditation. And I oh, thank you yay. for that. Oh, and yeah, if okay. anyone who's listening wants to have a challenge with this, which there's no, I, I shouldn't use the word challenge. I feel like that's negative. This is a challenge. It's a challenge. <laughs> that's what I had called it. There you go. If you want a challenge to just get you kickstarted in this, um, you can check out the 21 day meditation challenge that Josephine has up on her YouTube channel and I'll link it down in the show notes. It was it was wonderful to go through. And I think, I just think it's great when we're able to really spell it out simply. One thing that comes up for me, and I don't know if you've heard people say this before, or if you experienced it in the beginning, is when you start a breathing technique like that, I do sense a little bit of like anxiety that comes oh, up just in okay. the holding of the breath, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, I think it's working through that. As you move through it, it slowly starts to release. Mm-hmm. And I've even used that breathing technique when I'm anxious laying in bed and I need to sleep. And yeah. I just, I, I do start counting and doing that and it does help. So I think it mm-hmm. can be used in so many different ways in your life. In the actual moment, in an appointment or something, or going to sleep or just taking uh-huh. a second out of your day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I love that you brought it up for sleep because a lot of times we get so amped up during our day and we're so wired that it's hard for many people to fall asleep and without having to use other things, this is a way to sort of calm your body and Mm. ease into sleep gently. And I love that you brought up the fact that you felt anxious when you had to hold your breath because it's true. A lot of people don't want to admit it, but yeah, it can be. It can be a little frightening because you're like, oh my God, I've never held my breath for this long. I'm pretty sure that you had to hold your breath for that long at some point, but it is, it can produce anxiety. And so if you feel like like that's the case then you can try something different where it's a little Mm. less it's shorter and then you gradually build up or it can also be an exercise in trying to figure out like and being able to sit with that uncomfortability Mm. because you know that's kind of where you want to grow into this practice is being able to sit with anything that comes up for you and be aware like why did this come up for me or where is this stemming from And, and sort of digging deep for yourself. This basic technique is a great place to start because I think a lot of people hear, oh, meditate, just meditate, just have more mindfulness, right? And <laughs> like yeah. we think it's either something so ethereal and on top mm-hmm. of a mountain yoga-y that we, you know, disconnect from it 
Or I've heard people explain it as kind of like a cop-out, like, oh, yeah, just go ahead and meditate. But these things are truly life-transforming, and they've changed your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It, it can be so simple to say, just meditate and all this, and just do this and just do that. I hate the word just, or you should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that's why I my approach to all of this is just try to be as accessible and approachable and realistic as possible, especially as coming exactly. from a mom of seven who works. It's just that like, I need to find a way to give people a chance to give it a try to see if they like it or not Yeah, in the most welcoming way people can give it a try. I'd love for you to share your mindfulness book and journal for parenting and then also your mindfulness journal for pregnancy. Oh yeah. So the newest one is the five minute mindfulness uh, for pregnancy. And I wrote it because I realized after I wrote the first one, which is the mindfulness journal for parents, that wouldn't it be better if I could teach people before they became parents, before (laughs) all the chaos began and allowed them to have these tools sort of practiced and under their, under their belt and in their toolkit before the baby comes that you can do while you're pregnant and then hopefully carry with you into, into your new season of life of parenthood. And I always make a note of saying that it might not look the same. Whatever you have set up for yourself, ritualized and made it into habit, it might change. And that's okay because your circumstances have changed. And so just giving yourself grace in that whole process and allowing yourself to be flexible, to fit it in the way you're able to, it'll change and allow it to flow with you. I know flowing isn't something that we typically like doing. I know I don't. Controlling our time, our day, our tasks feels so much more satisfying, let's be honest. But this is a practice that we must adopt as we enter motherhood. And creating a habit like five minutes a day of breathing is a perfect way for us to start releasing some of that control. You know, we might not think that something like an eating disorder could come out of a need for control of our life in motherhood, But what a powerful story. It really shines a light on the importance of taking care of yourself above anything else. Like they say, make sure to put on your oxygen mask first. So Josephine taught us a powerful lesson today that can truly impact our lives. The power of a pause and a breath to ground ourselves. So whether we are trying to conceive, are suffering, infertility, or we have seven kids running around, we have to take that moment to connect to our body and release our need for control. And the best way to do that is simply to close our eyes and count our breath. I'm willing to bet that this season of life might feel like you're losing control. It might feel a little scary, or you might even feel like Josephine, broken. After the first step of breathing, The second step is to make sure that you have support, and that is where we come in. Join us in the free Facebook community, Mamas in Training, where you can connect today with other women who are experiencing the same feelings you are. All you have to do is click on the link in the show notes, and you'll have instant access to other women who are there to lift you up. This is not something you have to do alone. Remember, we're in this together. 
If you enjoyed the show today, new episodes release every Wednesday. So be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And help us grow our mama community by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. That way I know how to better serve you. And finally, I would love to connect on Instagram. You can find me at Mamas in Training Pod. That's M-A-M-A-S in Training P-O-D. For Mamas in Training, I'm Jessica Lorian. We're in this together.